Poison Rana. Best match ever. We the best. What just experience. The biggest match in pro wrestling history. Oh my god! Oh my god! This is great. This is awesome. Mamma mia! Hello, Braden here from Poison Rana. This is a special best match ever. Looking back at a true cowboy, a hardcore icon, the bad motherfucker himself, Terry Funk. Rest in peace. And, well, this is a, a bit of a throwback, a re-release here for maybe some people who didn't get to check this out. During the pandemic, this is a very old show, very dated. Davey and I nerded out and recorded a lot of podcasts, and this was one of them, where we looked back at the best of Terry Funk and basically talked about his, his whole career. I've listed the matches below to, to go check him out if you want to go watch him and, and whatnot and celebrate Terry. And uh, then listen back to this show where we kind of go through the best of Terry Funk and and uh, celebrate him. So go watch Roadhouse. Go listen to Terry's Japanese album on YouTube. Go buy a Pro Wrestling Tees Terry Funk U t-shirt. And uh, uh, check out PoisonRana.ca for all the other stuff that Davey and I do as well. Because like I said, some of the stuff on the show is very dated. We go by Poison Rana now, as you're uh, well aware. So uh, rest in peace, Terry Funk. I hope you enjoy this podcast. And Terry Funk forever. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Brayden Harrington here with Davey Portman for Up Next, the Patreon. And this is Best Match Ever. Terry Funk. Oh, yes, the Funkasaurus himself. <laughs> he is one bad mother funker. Yes, this is uh, the Patreon. If you're listening to this, you are a supporter of the BDE, and we appreciate you. Welcome. This is the show where we go back and look at and find and rate and discuss and sometimes argue what is the best match ever. And today's topic, yes, is the living legend, the uh, hardcore legend, the... Uh, uh, there's too many things to call this guy. Uh, Terry Funk. Yeah, now it's... it's cra I kind of feel how I did after the Ring of Honor episode we did, where afterwards I was like, huh... Maybe trying to find the best ever Ring of Honor is kind of hard because yeah. there's so many matches. It's true. And I feel we could definitely do... You could do a whole podcast series on Terry Funk. Yes. This guy's career, I don't know if anyone's had a longer one, but looking on Cage Match, and bear in mind, Cage Match doesn't have everything. Yeah. The first match I can see he had was on the 18th of December 1965 against Guy Taylor um, at the Convention Hall in Minneapolis, Minnesota for AWA. Now, that's the first one on record. So, he's had way more matches than this. Yeah. His last match, again, according to Cage Match, was 23rd of September 2017, <laughs> where he partnered with Rock and Roll Express against uh, Brian Christopher, Doug Gilbert, and Jerry Lawler 
um, in South Carolina. That means he's had a career of 52 years. Holy shit. As like an active wrestler. Wow. Uh, Yeah, they used to say he was middle-aged and crazy. He's just aged and still crazy. 2,434 matches minimum. Minimum, because you don't know how many he's had, like, in barns where people don't know that was, like, named and marked down. Like, yeah, uh, we are, like, you know, kind of younger wrestling fans. You're early 30s, and I'm just about to... I'm still in my late 20s down. I'm still Mm -hmm. turning 29, rubbing it in. Um, And, like, we know him from, like, certain eras of wrestling. But this... we Like, we're going to try to do Terry Funk justice, and that's because we we usually go through and we cherry-pick matches, and then we watch through and re-rate them. But, like... Like, disclaimer, Terry Funk has so many funking matches that, like, yeah, we had... It was hard to kind of go... There's different eras, because, like you said, he's wrestled for so long that we had to, like, kind of pick on our own. So there's going to be things that you're... This is the one show, I think, where someone out there who's, like, a big Terry Funk fan is going to be like, ah, but you didn't do that match. And, yeah, and try not to get mad. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Maybe we can talk about them another time. We, We tend to go from cage match via, like, the... The highest rating by like the users and by like the Wrestling Observer newsletter rating. So we yeah. tend to look at the top matches on there. There's certain matches that we won't be talking about today because we've already talked about them, such as Stan Hansen versus Terry Funk. Yes. Go back in the archives to the Stan Hansen episode. We both raved about that one. And a tag match we both really enjoyed where Terry Funk partnered his uh, brother Dory Funk Jr. to go against uh, Brody, Bruiser Brody. And Stan, Stan Hansen. Yeah. Again, listen to our Stan Hansen show with John Pollock to hear our thoughts on that one. Both, like, really fantastic matches. We both, we both praised those matches really yeah. highly. So we would, right off the bat, add those to best match ever, Terry Funk, because they are. But we kind of recently talked about them. And t- to be honest, Terry Funk has done a lot more shit. Uh, and I, I remember particularly raving about Stan Hansen, because I think it's the one where Stan Hansen just kills him. He just hangs him. Yeah. Yeah. Terry Hunt Drags just, him around yeah. by the neck. Uh, there's uh, a lot of that. <laughs> there's a, a reoccurring trend here in Terry Funk's matches where he just dies. Um, and this guy has been wrestling for so long, the, the, the mean Texan, and he, he retires a lot. He yes. just he just keeps retiring. So maybe we'll go into some of those as well. I, I got Terry Fever here uh, when I I think it was me who suggested this one just because I had so much fun doing the Stan Hansen one and like it's it's pandemic it's quarantine we're stuck inside watching movies and and shows and I'd rather watch some wrestling and educate myself on some stuff maybe that I don't particularly yeah know. I'm like, a nerd I like jumping around for best match ever we. We haven't kind of decided to do it, but we we seem to be doing one kind of more our era, WWF, yeah. ECW, that kind of thing a month. And then one either like like way before we started watching or in Japan or yeah. stuff like that. And it, it gives good variety and it's, it keeps this fresh for us. But yeah, like we, we cherry picked here, but there are so many matches after kind of going through where I'm like, man, I wish I had the time to watch... Bret Hart versus Terry Funk. Yeah, I didn't watch that one, and it's and it's crazy. I, I did have it loaded, but like legit, uh, the ones we have picked are pretty awesome. So you won't, you shouldn't be mad considering what we're going to talk about. And I already know people listening to this who uh, who know their stuff already in their head. When some people listen to the show, I could be wrong, but I'm going to take a guess. When you listen to a best match ever, they already in their head have one that yes. they're, they're like, that's the one, right? We do have feedback threads, and I did notice that uh, we're going to read to some of them later. 
people were into this one. So uh, Terry Funk obviously has uh, a following because I, when I got into wrestling, and I mentioned this on the Extreme Moments show, the the 2006 one with Terry Funk and Mick Foley, mm-hmm. I was still kind of young when I was watching that live pay per view. But I remember I'm like, man, this Terry Funk is crazy. So I went back and like watched and found some old Terry Funk stuff, and I was like, this guy is genuinely scary. He is the true psychopath in pro wrestling, at least like from his era. Cause he's so believable in all the matches we're going to talk about. He's so scary in all of them. He's like this creepy old, like, how are you still doing this? I don't understand. And why are you doing this? Yeah. It's, but that's his life. And that's who he is. The big Texan. Yeah. My first memory of funk. Um, it's, I wasn't watching it. I started around like 99. I think I saw bits in 98, but really like from late 99, no, summer 99 onwards, I was watching regularly. Yeah. And I remember I'd get VHSs of the stuff I've missed of, like, the last couple of years. And there was the Royal Rumble spot. Is it 97 or 98 between Mick Foley and Terry Funk? Right. I think it's Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah, there, yeah. Where they've basically cleared the ring, and it's those two in the ring, and they both just wallop each other in the head repeatedly with steel chairs. Ridiculous. Uh, so hard to watch now. And I'm like, who's, who's, even then, I'm like, who's this old dude? <laughs> with a sock on his head. And, and then, yeah, the, uh, that really fun dumpster match against the New Age Outlaws. Yes. Where both are placed in the dumpster and thrown off the stage. Fuck. Uh, crazy spot. They're kind of my first memories of Terry Funk. But even then, I, I think at, what would I have been, like, nine, ten, maybe? I was going, oh, I, I kind of get that this guy has been like around forever and is yeah. a big deal. It was, it was when I, I got before the network here in Canada, you could get a channel called like WWE classics mm-hmm. and it was before, like you could go through the lists. They would have stuff in categories and stuff like that. So I would just soak in all these like really old school, like NWA type matches. And he was an actual, like just a wrestler. He didn't do any of the crazy shit when he was younger. Cause that really wasn't a thing. And I remember watching that and like, Whatever, and then it wasn't till I bought uh, a DVD, and part of the WWE's like ECW thing was you got a free retro ECW pay per view, and it was barely legal, 1997, their first ever pay per view, and that like main event chunk is culminates with Terry Funk like coming back and kind of trying to win the title, and I watched that. And I was like, holy shit, I love Terry Funk. And ever since I watched that, I was obsessed with the guy. I would always try to watch his stuff. So most of these matches um, we're going to talk about, I've, I've kind of already seen a lot of them. But then you you go through for the, this show and like try to find stuff that's like the high-ranked ones. And then you found some like really old-school ones that I haven't seen. And I was still uh, super impressed. Yeah, so to start with, we're going to go back to the 70s. Oh, June yeah. June 11th, 1976, NWA Championship in a two out of three falls match for All Japan. The show is the All Japan Pro Wrestling NWA World Champion Series. Is 1976 the oldest we've gone back to? I'm trying to think Flair Steamboat. I don't think that went as far back as this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Stan Hansen, did we do, was it 81? Was Stan it? Hansen was after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really, this is some really old stuff here. Now, this is, we're going to 76. At this point, Terry Funk has already been champion. He's wrestled with a bunch of people. In in fact, he's been uh, champion since 1975. So, like, yeah, yeah. So he's defending his title against Jumbo Tsurata. Now, I don't know about you. 
there aren't enough jumbos in wrestling <laughs> Jumbo. anymore. We see like we see a bunch of people with the same name in wrestling. Yeah, Steve. So we got a load of Steves. John got a load of Johns. Dave got a load of Daves. <laughs> Where are my jumbos Jumbo. at? Well, we jumbo. I don't know. Well. I'll tell you where Jumbo is. He's at the Kurame Kokukigan Arena in Tokyo, Japan. Apologies for pronunciation. Now, something I noticed right away here was kind of when I started watching wrestling in like the late 90s, I kind of bought like, like I got it kind of straight away. Yeah, this is like entertainment, right? Yeah, this yeah. is fake, quote unquote, if right. you will. Uh, it didn't take me long to figure that out yeah for as long as i can remember i always knew it was fake and yeah and Never, i i always found it odd when people are like you believe that shit like our neighbor yeah <laughs> uh, he did it to me the other day I, yeah, really? I didn't mention that our neighbor thinks we don't think it's we don't know it's fake okay that's what i think our neighbor thinks we're crazy right <laughs> but right away here i was like oh i can see why people used to think this is real this felt like a True. kind of olympic sport you've got the two camps yeah all in the kind of matching Right, Gear. all red tracksuits for one team, all white tracksuits for another. The crowd are going crazy. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm I'm seeing a gold medal match at the Olympics. You know what? It felt like that, and even more so at the end because there's like flowers and bouquets and uh, yeah. medals and awards and trophies. It's like, holy fuck, dude! Yeah, it is. It the totally presentation, felt like that. and I, I'd say in like, Japanese wrestling, obviously the cameras have got better, but the presentation's still pretty similar. I want to see camps again, though. The tracksuits. Like, yeah. I know Cody's trying Cody's to bring doing it back. It. Yeah, Cody does it. Um, I'd like, like to it. see more of it. Yeah. So there's some crazy chanting from the crowd. They grapple up. Uh, Funk kind of fakes out Serato when they're doing the running the rope spot. Um, he, like, just stalls there. Uh, Funk is working the arm of Serata, uh quite a lot in this match. Uh, Jumbo manages power out and places Funk on the turnbuckle. Uh, they're both kind of working each other's shoulders here. Now, I know submission wrestling isn't for everyone, but these guys are dripping with sweat. Yeah. It's it's such a difference between a going to commercial, like rear chin lock. And resting. Rest hold. And I'm like really trying to bend your arm back and you're using all your might to not let me do that just the resistance you see them both just dripping with sweat they're both trying to counter these holds yeah there's a lot like this is 1976 and if you didn't tell me that i would have thought it was like the 80s just because the the kind of it's graps it's yeah. the old school graps they're going back and forth there's like arm bars and arm holds and all sorts so Serrata now gets his wrist lock in and funk gets out of it by hitting a really heavy knife edge chop this is when it kind of changes more from that kind of classic wrestling to a bit more aggressive. Yeah, Terry's got the chops. Oh, yeah, they're good. They're loud. And real, like, knife edge. He's he's crazy. Uh, Serata hits a backslide for a two and goes right back to the Funk shoulder. Serata drags Funk to the outside, still applying the hold. This looked cool. Like, he doesn't let yeah. go, but they're, like, going to the outside. He's dragging him back in, just r yanking away at that shoulder. Uh, Funk finally breaks out with our favorite move, the atomic drop. <laughs> Follows up with an elbow drop but misses. Funk gets hit by an arm drag and is put back in the hold. Yeah, you were saying like he kept putting him in that hold. So you think Terry, he hits like a forearm and you think he's kind of got the advantage. But instantly he's put back in the hold and the crowd is like, ah, crowd is hot. Um, we get a shoulder tackle from Funk followed by a butterfly suplex for a two count. 
both start running the ro- ropes, leapfrogging each other. There's an O'Connor roll um, from, I think it was Jumbo, that's kicked out. And then Surada catches Funk with a sunset flip pin and takes the first fall in 15 minutes, 50 seconds. So Surada has the first fall here over Terry Funk. Uh, yeah. Adam Cole logic, like, I'd, have, <laughs> I'd be champ now, right? If this was a regular match. Yep. Um, second fall starts and Funk pretty much right away hits a pile driver, but only a two count. Oh. Uh, drives Serrata's shoulder into the ring post. Serrata's trying to fight back. We've got a vertical suplex from Funk uh, from the apron into the ring, kind of like Cesaro does today. Uh, Funk gets Serrata uh, in a cradle and is just rolling around the ring trying to pin him. It's a Yoshi go round or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that, that, yeah. It, 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 he counters the abdominal stretch and then goes into this like rolling around and around and around. It's jokes. And picks up the pin six minutes, five seconds later. Oh, it is boy. one, one. I will say, when you listen to these podcasts about, or just interviews with like old school wrestling guys, they're talking about protecting the business and. Back in the day, a DDT would be a finish. A pile driver would be a finish. This is 1976, and people are kicking out of pile drivers 25 minutes into a match. Terry's just so ahead of his time. Like, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, fair. You're just jealous because you can't do a You flip. can't do it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, final fall. Serrata gets Funk in the abdominal stretch. There's a suplex from Funk for a two count. A gut-wrench suplex suplex from Serrata. Serrata hits his own butterfly suplex, followed by a back suplex. Both try the O'Connor rolls, both running the ropes. Funk leapfrogs once. Serrata goes to do the leapfrog in return, but gets caught, hit by the stun gun, draping his neck, his throat, across the top rope. Uh, Serrata sells this brilliantly. He's like gasping for his breath, like clutching, clutching at his throat. And Funk wins retaining his championship in 27 minutes 7 seconds wow shocker upset victory here but the crowd ate it up uh they clearly liked both uh guys i mean terry is the the westerner here but he's super over you can hear them screaming telly funk i loved it uh this was so much fun i didn't think i would like this as much as i did it was it was really fun to watch for a match from 1976 like i've seen matches way before this on the network and some of the older stuff that they have I don't know, this one for 1976, like, I've seen stuff at Manias up until the 90s, Manias up till now, that I didn't like as much as this. Oh, so, yeah. like, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'd say it was quite a, a basic match, yes. but I would say where, like, the old guys are right, it's it's selling. Yeah. Um, the selling here was fantastic. I think people need to... The matches that have worked, like, Timothy Thatcher, Only Lorcan, the whole thing is submission. Like, submission wrestling... I find really captivating yeah. when done well. But your other guys, I'd say we've kind of lost the rest hold with this empty arena yep. era. And hopefully it's gone. But I'm not against a headlock. But apply it correctly. It made sense And here. struggle. Like gasp for your breath. I want to see you sweating trying to get out of this thing. Not chilling. And that's what this match was. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. And, and I know it's like old school stuff. So it's like, what... What can you can you rate this against something that's like more modern? It's it's really tough. So back in the day, I could see a lot of people being like, "Whoa, this was pretty innovative and, and stuff like that." Especially, it's it's in Japan and the American. I felt like Japan did it first, and, and then America would take after. Like that's just kind of how it would. Uh, I, 
I really liked it. I'd give it like a 4.25. Just oh, wow. Even, okay. even though it's this old school, I just, it, it's really hard for me. We're about to go to a next match, and I didn't like the next match as much as I liked this okay. one. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I find it hard to really be, you, you go, do I, do I put into account that it's old, or do I watch it with modern eyes? Yeah. It, it's difficult. It's tough. I enjoyed it. I thought um, it was kind kind of basic, but then they mm-hmm. threw in a couple of things which actually surprised me that they were doing for the time. Um, I went 3.5. Uh, yeah. Like, I thought it was a good match, but it's, it's not my cup of tea Yeah, anymore. it's like, it's it's things have moved on, but what I got from this is like, look how basics they're doing, but they, they laid it out for they everyone do. who's, yeah. who's doing it like now. Cage Match gave this an 8.66, so it's pretty highly regarded there. Yes. We go to the uh, next year. So... Terry Funk uh, has lost the title to Harley Race in Toronto. Oh. And ending a 424-day reign as NWA champion. But he's getting a rematch at the Sam Houston Coliseum, Houston, Texas, on the 1st of July on Canada Day. Whoa. So first he loses it in Toronto. In Toronto. Just down the street, Maple Leaf Gardens from the BD. Um, And then... A few whiles later, he's fighting on Canada Day. Yes. Yeah. 1st July, 1977. This is Terry Funk versus Harley Race. And I guess Terry thought, well, that two out of three falls stip- worked for me last <laughs> year. So I'm doing that again. It's a two out of three falls. Uh, a lot of booze uh, aimed at Harley Race here. Uh, obviously, we're in Texas here. Ah, that would make a lot. Yeah. Uh, Terry Funk, the Funks run Texas. For wrestling, it's Funk country, definitely. Mm. Uh, Race has just returned from Japan and they're saying how this guy has fought all over um, like East Asia, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore wow. uh, against all these tough opponents from all over the world. Um, both these guys have a reputation for toughness. Terry Funk is, like the Hearts, is a wrestling family, yeah. but Funk is known as the toughest in the Funk family. And he wrestles how his father says it should be done. Um, We get a big chop right across the throat of Harley Race from Funk early on. Uh, The way Funk just applies like a classic armbar looks great. He really looks like he's trying to pop that arm out of the socket. Um, He kind of presses the knee down and just is yanking away. Uh, Arm stretch from Funk where he... He's grabbing the arm and then puts his feet against Harley Race's face to like really yeah, stretch which, it back. Which the commentator um, was like, oh, that's kind of like an innovative move. And I'm like, dude, this is from 1977. That's to me is an innovative move. No yeah, one really does no that. No one does that. And yeah. it, it surprises me, especially the amount of wrestlers who have an arm bar yeah. as a finish. Don't you want to like when loosen that joint? Sock, and like pull it out the socket. Stretch it out. Yeah. Um, I love this. Uh, Funk just stands on his face at one point while still holding that arm. He's now got a like a hammerlock, double wrist lock. Um, Funk is like coming back, but then gets uh, oh no, he lifts Harley Race up in a military press and drops him. Like I'm sure Terry Funk is big in person because you don't realize because all these guys are big. Yeah, but he's never someone I consider big a big guy, no. and he's just lifting him arms fully extended above his head. Uh, he hits him with another over-the-head slam, uh, drops his knee and leg just across the arm, just complete, 
continuously working away at that arm. This one was a little slower to me than the last one. This yes. one was more the like it's, it's not WWE, but it's more the WWE slow down and more even more yeah. so than the last one. I thought like it was just it was a little too slow than than I, I. It was hard for me to keep following, even though the the selling is the main point. The match picks up a bit when Ray starts hitting these like open hand strikes against Funk. Uh, Funk just comes back swinging. What do you think of Terry Funk's punches? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's a psychopath. How do you make me believe... If I see this guy... It's more so when he gets older, to be honest. Mm. To, in this time, he's still young in this to me. And his punches just look like old-school wrestler punches. Uh, Irish Duke and... What's the fighting Irish guy? <laughs> the, the, the Fuck, whatever that is. He Notre Dame, Notre Dame. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, people know what I'm talking about. It's their logo. It's like the fighting right. thing. He punches like that. He's got a fist up. It's like he so weird. Does, but here he's like just flailing his whole arm because yeah. Harley's just ducking him. Um, Funk manages to get him into the corner with some chops, chops and actually like kind of rocks Race. Like Race looks worried and he backs off into the corner. Uh, Funk ducks a punch and jabs Race right in the face. Harley goes for a figure four but gets caught in a cradle for a two count. Race sidesteps Funk, sending him to the outside. We get a vertical suplex from Race sending him, uh, sending Funk into the ring and Harley Race takes the first fall with an abdominal stretch. Yeah. Those those abs must be hurting. So Terry Funk had to had to tap out. He had to tell the ref, "No, I can't take anymore. I give up. I tap out. I submit." Therefore the first fall to race. Yes. Second fall and we have a little break little between pause. each fall. Little pause. Say. A bit of yeah. a reset. Uh Harley uses a closed fist against Funk and it hey. looks like the ref kind of gives him a warning. Uh Funk hits a few slaps and a body slam. Race gets right back up and just flips Funk over. Uh, Terry gets a backslide for a two count, follows up with the pile driver. And I like with this pile driver, he, it's the classic like sit out pile driver. Yeah. He lifts him up and kind of staggers back and just falls into yeah, it. Yeah, because he's hurt still. He's selling. And yeah, it looks great. Picks up the second fall. One, two, three. Of course, it's a two out of three falls match. We're going to a final hey. fall. We have big slaps across the chest from Funk. Funk gets an early near fall. Now he just starts kicking away. This is less about the holds and more aggression. We get the swinging neck breaker, atomic drop, but Race drapes his feet on the top rope. Sorry, on the bottom rope to break up the fall. This isn't like now we get a nicely placed foot. He like flings his legs, just like drapes them over. It's like, no, no, I've got the ropes, got the ropes. Um, and then we've got. Funk starts applying the spinning toe hold. Like, uh, it's like the beginning of the figure four, isn't it? Just twists the leg. Yeah, I always wondered about this move. But then I've tried it on, like, younger siblings, like half-brothers and cousins. And it's like, yeah, it does hurt. You just keep doing the spin until you... It's the spinning toe hold, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't believe us, try it on someone. Yeah. (laughs) On your kids. We don't really see this anymore. And I think you're so... I'm so conditioned seeing the figure four leg lock. It looks like he just keeps forgetting to... Uh, it's a glitch. It just keeps going. Yeah. Back in <laughs> 2K20, Terry Funk. Uh, Ray starts punching back. Funk is now busted open. Funk is still targeting that leg. Race punching away. The blood is dripping from above the eye of Funk. Um, we get a knee across the bloody face of Funk. Race is really selling his knee that Funk's been working at. Funk tries again to apply the spinning toe hold, but collapses from loss of blood. And the referee calls off the match, giving the final fall to Harley Race. He retains the NWA Championship 
and goes on to hold that title for 926 days. Jesus. Uh, everyone hates this finish. They're booing. Yeah. Um, I will, they I hate they wanted too. to see a proper winner, not yep. a guy pass out from blood. But I kind of like that. Same I know theory. we don't get blood in WWE, but I feel this is a old school thing that AEW could use where you just have a like he's too passed out from blood. Yeah. I kind of like it. He's bloodied and beaten and he can't continue. So Harley race gets to keep the title. Uh, yeah, yeah. I could see why you're upset, but like the, the crowd meaning, um, yeah, this one was a little bit more slower than the, the one prior against jumbo, but it was still, this is like some classic, classic wrestling. I got out for of me. This. That first fall especially was a bit slower, yeah. but I liked the just dirt, dirtiness of it. Both would resort to using, like closed fist, the ref yeah. would be trying to stop them, and they would just tell him to fuck off. Um, I really like the finish, the loss of blood. I thought yeah. that was a great finish. After the match, uh, Funk says that he doesn't blame the referee Nick Kolzak for calling off the match, but says I don't consider myself a normal man, especially it comes to a championship. The only way I can be the best is regaining that championship, and uh, he's also questioning whether Harley Race had something in his hand. It's like, uh, I bled a lot there. Now, I'm not saying for sure he had something in his hand, but <laughs> seemed like he had something in his hand. Um, and he goes, I know that when I'm applying that spinning toe hold, yeah. the most vulnerable part of my body is my face. I'm leaving it open. And, well, he, he used that against me there. Um, but I could taste the victory. I had him. I wore that leg down. And... Um, I've gone right to the president of the NWA, Eddie Graham, and I begged for a rematch. And the next match, one stipulation is that it can't be stopped. And <laughs> Terry Funk goes on to lose that match. Uh, <laughs> but this is maybe the beginning of, well, at least the matches we're watching today, the post-match. The post-match with Terry Funk. Is he the king of the post-match? Yes. Because all of these have, like, yeah. Crazy angles. At he the is. End. So, yeah, uh, he is definitely. I mean, we talked about the Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat rivalry that we did best match ever. But then we were talking about after that two out of three falls that we were like, yo, that was fucking crazy. And that's how we kind of picked this as one of yeah. our future shows. But, yeah, all these all these post-match interviews, I, I watched this one, and he sells me on, like, anything he says. He's just re- he's just a really good actor. Uh, I think, uh, yeah. I think the president... It all helps because you've got the presentation of this looking and feeling like a real sport. Yeah. And then you have the guy acting like it's a real sport afterwards. Like talking of his game plan. Like you would in a in like any sport, a tennis match, a a football match, whatever. You go, Well, yeah, the he caught me on this and yeah. this weakened me down. I loved it. Um I again gave this one a three point five star. Um these style matches, I, I really appreciate. I can't see myself going too much higher than that. Yeah, I um, agree with you on this one. 3.5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cage match an 8.40. Uh, so so this guy is like clearly like just old school wrestler still at this point, but like the pride of Texas here. Um, and then I know we, we would go on our, our Up Next Twitter and our Facebook group and page and all that stuff, Up Next Podcast. Um and we were asking people, like, hey, we're going to do this show. And a few people were like, hey, you got to talk about um, Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler. And, like, they had, like, this, like, kind of epic little thing going on in, like, the mid uh, – early 80s, sorry, 1981. I don't know if you had anything before that one, actually. No, I've I've got the no DQ match from 23rd of March, yeah. 1981. Okay, so which, what is crazy is 
in that one's in March, right? Yeah. Yes. In March, they have this this match in Memphis Wrestling, which I found on like YouTube. A lot of his older stuff we could find on Daily Motion and YouTube and stuff. So we can talk about this one. But then there's this like other one that's kind of famous where it's like an empty arena, which is funny considering we're an empty arena yes. world right now. But like this is where the last one you saw him and he even mentioned Harley Race may have something in his hand that made mm-hmm. him just bleed everywhere. And this becomes a real trope. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Because, man, this guy loves to bleed. So this is the Continental Wrestling Association at the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis. I imagine kind of Memphis, Texas, like territory-wise, probably crossover yeah. a fair bunch. Sure. Um, you've got Jerry the King Lawler. As the uh, the king of Memphis, of course. Uh, Jimmy Hart is at ringside with Terry, the mouth of the South. <laughs> um, we have early on an atomic drop on the outside, punches from Funk, jabs from Lawler, sending Funk falling to the outside. Uh, I've got in my notes here. This ring looks like shit. Yeah. Oh, it's Memphis wrestling. It's definitely um, <laughs> kind of adds to the grittiness. What the worst is, you know, like we have guardrails and yeah. wall protect. WWE is like the protector things from the crowd. This is just a chain string. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> so Terry at one point gets mad early on and just breaks it and like yeah. p- pushes it all over. Got to say, the crowd are going nuts. Yeah, for this. they think this is real. Yes, <laughs> Funk's head gets thrown into a bell. Funk is busted open above both eyes. Oh, just yeah. Bleeding. The quality of this, it's 1981. So the quality of these matches, especially watching on like online and stuff like that, are like shit. Like it's almost potato quality. And you can still see this guy is fucking yeah. bleeding. Uh, Lawler jumps off the second rope with a stomp. Funk hits a low blow, uh, starts working away, punches, hits a headbutt, which I hate uh he starts biting away at lawler's face getting so many boos oh. now lawler's busted oh open. my god funk just repeatedly is jabbing lawler lawler's coming back with his punches he hulks up both are just swinging for the fences here this is as i said like funk just like flailing those arms um funk gets rocked with a punch in the chin and he this is like Shawn michaels against hulk hogan at SummerSlam 2005 <laughs> he I, that, I wrote that down too. Really? I wrote uh, overselling is like Sean H. He is <laughs> like this match is believable. As we said, yeah. we're like, oh, people are bl- buying this, yeah. and then Funk just like flips. <laughs> but it was great. I bought. I loved it. it. I marked out. Yeah. And the crowd was so into it. Here, we get a diving fist from the second rope from Lawler. A chair gets thrown in the ring by uh, Jimmy Hart, but Jerry grabs it. Funk then. Pulls it off of him, uses it against the leg of Lawler. I the gotta crowd say, is pissed, by the way. I gotta say, this chair shot was pretty weak. Well, he's going for the legs here, I think. Yeah, it was like a tap to the leg. <laughs> Not that I want to see people hurt themselves, yeah, yeah. but yeah, just he uses, head butt a he man uses and... the chair and then he like tries to rip off the like the, the gear essentially. Yes, uh, he's targeting that knee. He's like ripping, as you said, like away at the tights. He hits his uh, like spinning toe hold. Lawler manages to dodge a chair shot. Now Lawler is using the chair against the leg of Terry. Funk tries to escape to the outside, but Lawler chases him with it. And Lawler wins via countout. Yeah, so Terry just couldn't deal. Just, he's bloodied up. He's, he's beat up is what I, I gathered. that he It's kind of similar. Like, uh, I can't do this. I'm done. And he, like, quits. Do you assume this kind of thing was... I mean, if Funk was, like, a Texas Territory... It's yeah, one of those things yeah. to protect. Yes. It's send the crowd home happy with the Memphis boy winning, but also, <laughs> hey, we can't have, can't have Terry losing. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, this was this was fun. Um, I gave this three point two five. I didn't quite enjoy it as much as the others. Um, I can't say I'm particularly a big Jerry Lawler fan. I know a lot of people credit him as like one of the most kind of inspirational wrestlers and changing the game and all that. Uh, I've I've never been too into the King. Uh, but this was fun. You got that these men hated each other. The crowd were just rabid for it. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, this was really short as well. It wasn't that long. It had the crazy stuff in it. Uh, like, I, I enjoyed it. I'd say it was um, nothing that's like the best match ever, but it was pretty cool to see, especially in 1981. Again, years before a WrestleMania, and they're doing like some crazy stuff, like them bleeding and... I got a bit of I got a bit of old school obviously like the old school feel here but it just shows you like how important a crowd can be too because oh, they were so like I believe I believe that they thought this was real because they were just so into this like kids women men just everyone losing their shit and they wanted to see Terry Funk get beat up cuz King was the the hero here and it was it was it was a lot of fun. I'd say like 3.5 or something like that. But again, it's it's hard to contrast to what this could equal to today. Like a quick crazy hardcore brawl essentially would equal this. I mean, I can imagine the the kind of I was there aspect sure. to it as well. And that's kind of how a lot of these matches became legendary is because they weren't widely viewed. Yeah. And people were there, probably had a few drinks, maybe had some other stuff as well. They're in the arena. They're watching what they believe is a real fight, and they're bleeding. They come out of it on a high, and they go, "Oh, that was that was incredible." Well, they went on to do this like empty arena match, which I put on right before we were watching. I didn't quite take notes on it, but it's just enough to note on that. Like this was crazy, considering we're in the pandemic era, and they 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 fought in this this empty arena with just the cameraman and the commentary interviewer walking around while they just fight and brawl through this thing and. The finish of this is it, it, this didn't the, the fight didn't last long because it's Terry in the afternoon waiting for King to show up and he's like there you 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 King you clown with the crown and the the finish is Funk uses like a broken like piece of metal or wood or something and he's trying to stab Lawler's eye out which is very funny considering the horror show was just recently but he's like I'm gonna take your eye out again I'm gonna get that eye and Lawler like. Basically kicks Funk's like arm, which makes him hit himself in the eye, uh, and therefore Terry's now bleeding. And then like the match doesn't officially happen. It's like global, what, what did Charlie call it? Oh, that, I don't know. Global, global luxation. Oh, I don't know what that means. But yeah, so like they had an epic feud between there. Is it the best match ever? No, but it was highly entertaining to put on. It's something that I've never watched before, but. I know both these guys are legends. I've yeah. heard about the matches. So it was cool to revisit. I believe you you said to me yesterday, uh, I think you watched a match that I didn't, which was Ricky Steamboat versus Terry Funk. Yeah, so I this this all starts... Now, like We're kind of jumping ahead here uh, a lot, but this is best match ever. And uh, some of his matches in the WWF in the 80s uh, don't really add up to best match ever, to be frank. Uh, like... He had some good matches, but they weren't any of the caliber that he could totally get at. And now he's already, like, he's getting older. We've already seen him kind of in his prime, or so we thought. And, like, how many times is this guy going to pretend he's he's, not, he's given this up? If if he's in Japan, he we mentioned the Stan Hansen and uh, the Stan Hansen, Stan Hansen match and then also the tag match with Dory. I believe it's after that match, which I think is the five-star rated match from Meltzer, where he does his famous... 
forever, forever. Meaning like he's retiring. I'm done. I'm never coming back here because he was signing with the WWF. Right. But he's basically saying like, I'm done forever. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's in uh, Beyond the Mat. And forever. It's, it's classic. And you're like, oh, great. Well, I want to fast forward to just that. And that is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So this is a big jump, but you'll understand why. Yeah, this is 14th of June, 1989 at Clash of the Champions 7. So we mentioned that the great angle with Terry Funk in 1989 when Flair beats Steamboat and then Terry shakes his hand and turns on him. I think that's one of the greatest angles I've ever fucking seen. So he destroys Ric Flair. He kill- he like breaks his neck essentially. It's, it's basically he comes in, I think... Uh, th- this was the match, wasn't this? There was a panel of judges that if it went to a draw, they're like scoring each round in this match. Yes. And Terry Funk was has gone as a to legend. Hollywood, has come back as a legend and comes into the ring after it while Rick is giving yeah. his speech. And it looks like, it, it kind of feels like Kanye interrupting Taylor Swift's <laughs> yeah, celebration. It is. Right? It is. It's because Terry Funk, you kind of feel, oh, is Terry is just rude? like... Creeping? Shooting yeah, him. what's going on? And he comes in and is like, oh yeah, I just, I want to congratulate you, Rick. And he's kind of cheeky and Rick kind of throws him away. And then he like asks for a title shot and he's not wrestled for a while. And Rick's like, Good well, one. maybe if you weren't brushing shoulders with Sliced alone, oh. like, there's a lot of boys in the back who yeah. who deserve a title shot before you. And he's like, no, no, no I, was, I was just joking. I was just I was joking. joking. I was just... Oh, Rick, I was just joking when I said that, Rick. And yeah, goes shake his hand and then Dummies him. attacks him. And I, I think, isn't it, he's attacking the the back because of the, the plane and right. crash. And then he, he power drives him like on the table yes. and everything. So this, I'm telling you, I got so fascinated from that angle that I was, I had to look at all. I was watching interviews and everything. So Ric Flair is, you know, he's injured from this attack, this heinous attack. And now Terry Funk is scheduled to face Ricky Steamboat. Now this is a non-title because neither of these people are champion, but it's, it's like, Ric Flair's selling that this injury. It's prolonging the storytelling in 1989 here. It's WCW, right? Yeah. This is some some epic story. And you know what? I, I, I joked about before we were doing the show. I went back and, and Netflix added Roadhouse from 1989. So Terry Funk had a fucking great 1989. Peak highlight of his entire career, in my opinion. You not only were in one of the biggest movies that came out that year with Patrick Swayze. He plays like the villain bartender dude in this movie. He's fucking great. His arms are jacked in it, by the way. Not only does he do that, he then has this epic thing with Ric Flair and this whole like feud. The next few matches I have from 1985, um, I'll be honest, the Terry Funk versus Ricky Steamboat isn't quite the level of Steamboat Flair or Flair Funk, but it still has like some great storytelling in it. Um, it's basically... Back and forth, Steamboat with a series of chops, obviously. Uh, Funk does these nasty hangman neckbreakers. Like, for all, yes. uh, forever, I can remember he's the guy who He did always it. repeatedly does Yeah, that like, as well. why do you keep doing it? It looks like it's just kills. Um, there's, like, body slams all over the place. There's pile drivers, ref bumps. There's a, a lot of stuff. You know, it was a really fun match, and it's, I'm pretty sure this was, like, in, a, a, like, a tribute to the troops show. So all it's the people were Fort Bragg. Gym, yeah, it's North all Carolina. these soldiers as the crowd. So the crowd, like maybe not really know what's going on. Right. Whereas I feel like if you were invested in the story, you kind of would know. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because the first singles match on this show is Ranger Ross versus the Terrorist. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> 
which has been rated. It's got a 2.71 oh, rating. Gotta review that Jack one. Victory, uh, yeah, playing can't, the terrorist. There. Can't wait till to, to I watch don't that think one. you're going to have wrestlers called that anymore. Well, the finish of this is uh, Terry just gets pissed off because Steamboat keeps coming at him, like out wrestling him. So he just nails him with a microphone and it's thrown out. It's a DQ. So the, the, the heel character of Terry Funk is continuing along here because Ric Flair wasn't on the card. He's the biggest draw, he's the world champion. And here we have now Terry not only taking out Flair, but beating up Steamboat and like basically it's he's taunting Ric Flair. And it, I guess uh, just my assumption here, it's because uh, Steamboat and Flair have had such a yeah. epic rivalry. They've now got that respect yeah. for each other. Like the yeah. they've had their final chapter and it's OK, we'll move on and respect each other. Uh, Meltzer gave that one a 4.25. It's currently at 6.92 on Cage Match. Uh, whereabouts would you rate this one? Yeah, I'd give it like a 4.25, four star. Right. Yeah, four point. It, it was fun and it was cool to see the kind of storyline. Because I'll tell you, I watched that funk beating up Flair thing, and I'll watch anything from 1989 just because of the story is so fascinating, and it leads to our next match. Yes, the Great American Bash, 23rd of July, 1989. From the Baltimore Arena in Maryland. This is for the World Heavyweight Championship. Terry Funk challenging the nature boy, Rick Flair. Oh, so the, this whole angle now is they're going to fight. And this is the, the match that you get to see it happen in. And it's it's pretty epic. Just from the like lead up to this, their promos are fucking awesome. But yeah. Yeah, the, these... <laughs> and um, the entrances, obviously. <laughs> you have Terry Funk coming out with a branding iron and Gary Hart, who's like now his like manager yeah. role here. And then you have Ric Flair, who comes out with a woman on each arm, and then while walking down the aisle, will run up and kiss other women in the aisle. His, his reaction <laughs> is so loud when he comes out. It's, it's amazing. I love Ric Flair's promo before this. He does it before the next one as well. I think we're so used to the kind of like hyper crazy Ric Flair promos and here he really sells how serious this match is because he's sounding so subdued and is talking about the injury that almost ended his career and he's saying but I'm like I'm I'm ready I'm yeah. I'm in good condition I can do this uh don't worry about me and it, it kind of sells the importance because he sounds so serious and it's fantastic. Unlike Flair, it's great. Uh, so we get uh, Funk who just charges after. Sorry, Flair charges after Funk. Well, the, realistically, right on the yeah, outside. Rick is pissed from this whole angle, so he's coming after him. Yeah, um, like taking him out and then quickly just struts into the ring. It's fantastic. <laughs> Funk looks rattled and. Uh, Funk's now getting chair involved. Uh, there are crazy chops from Funk and Flair. Both of them have just their knife edge chops are just loud and beautiful. Uh, Flair with punches sending Funk to the outside again. Um, there's a jump off the apron from Funk to take out Flair. A vertical suplex back into the ring for a two count. Another chop battle on the outside. Funk goes for the pile driver, but gets backdropped to the floor. I love this spot. There's a little exchange here. Now, Ric Flair, the dirtiest player in the game, but he's still, like, the good guy. Even back then, like, he, he wasn't quite a dick here at this level, yet, at least. And Terry Funk, who's, like, the also, like, this dirty, like, cowboy-type character, grimy Texan, right? So Ric Flair, like, kind of, like, rakes the eyes, I think, and... 
Terry no sells and then pokes him right in the fucking eye. And I'm like, oh, or is it the other way around now? I don't know. But oh, oh my God. I was like, this is epic. Um, Flair does this move that I really dislike. I know The Fiend started introducing it and it's the next snap. Yes. I've been conditioned from action films that that is a finisher. Wouldn't right? he be dead? Yeah. You come up behind a guy, like when you're doing stealth mode on a video game, you go up behind and it's just crack. Uh, yeah. So he's doing that repeatedly. Uh, drops his knee across the bunk- back of Funk's head. Uh, Flair hits a sit-out pile driver of his own. Don't know if I've seen him do this much. So Terry sells it like he's now paralyzed. Yeah. I thought <laughs> Funk Fuck. sold it so uniquely. He's like... He's playing the arm. Like, he's lost feeling yeah, in his he arm. Have, he's twitching. He's got, like, the shakes. It, I thought it looked really convincing. So, Flair hits him with another he one. He hits a second <laughs> pile driver. Um, Funk then falls to the outside and tries to crawl away. Gets hit by a back suplex, a figure four leg lock, and Gary Hart throws Funk a branding iron who smacks him in the head with it. The ref doesn't see. And Funk starts punching away at the head of Flair. Now, I think these have been kind of remastered a bit so the quality is pretty good on the network you can see the blade in between um, <laughs> in between Funk's knuckles oh. so this is you know sometimes you'll blade yourself and yeah. other times you'll let the other guy it looks like he takes it like his wrist tape now dangling so yeah. he's clearly freed it and it's in between like his oh, middle knuckles God. and he's just jabbing at the oh head. Oh my god! So now Flair is just bleeding. Yeah. So the the spot was he supposed he used the branding iron, which is you know supposed to be the thing that opened him up. Yeah. But then he, of course he's bleeding. So it's oh yeah. This is this is this is crazy. Funk hits his pile driver, but Flair manages to get his feet on the ropes. Uh, Funk now strips the protective matting on the concrete floor, chokes at Flair with his wrist tape, shoves the referee away. Flair counters the pile driver onto the concrete with a backdrop. We get a series of the Hangman neckbreakers from Funk. <laughs> Gary Hart destructs the ref again, and Funk tries to use the branding iron again, but this time Flair gets it off of him and uses it on Funk. Now Funk's bleeding. Flair's trying to open up that wound with punches. Is like whacking his head against the ring post. Flair goes for a jumping knee, but misses and crashes knee first into the turnbuckle. Ouch. Now Funk is trying the... Uh, so the knee is now injured, yes. which is opening it up for that spinning toe hold. Funk goes for it. Funk flare counters to a figure four leg lock. Funk tries to counter this into a cradle, but flare counters the cradle into a roll up of his own and wins in 17 minutes, 23 seconds. Whew. Yeah, this is crazy. I, I know we did the Ric Flair steamboat one and I we, we were like, that was amazing. But this to me made so much sense. If you're watching a movie and a guy, the bad guy keeps fucking with your hero and you finally get to see them kind of have that epic fight match scene well this would be the epic fight scene in that first movie where you get like your taste of it you get to see all the action this was classic wrestling to me uh this these guys are like i know terry fuck at this point retired nine thousand times in 1989 but like wow uh this was so much fun to go back and and i loved is it jim ross on commentary like when yeah. R- when rick flair's at one point just getting battered and beaten and he's like this has gone far enough like even like jim ross we we just talked about on our AEW show how he's we think he's even gotten better now and comfortable in AEW but like back in the day he was so hype into wrestling you could get him to sell you anything here and he's like come on Ric Flair's our, our man our champion and you're beating him up like a like an animal and it's just fucking it's crazy I love the energy at the start of this match especially 
I think if you've got a blood feud, uh, like a hate feud, you need to go at it. Yeah. I, I think every Austin Rock match, we did a best match ever quite a while ago on Austin Rock. Yeah. The energy at the beginning of every match they had, they just start throwing punches. Realistically, that's what you're going to do if you hate each other. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens were always very good for that. Punching each other. Um, I, I really enjoyed that eye for an eye match, but this is the energy it needed right from the beginning yeah. they got there but the start of the match was like slow let's do some wrestling whereas and then it built up. no motherfucker you blinded me yeah i should be so, charging at you rick flair got like attacked after his he finally beat steamboat who he had his own issue with for the better half of the year and then terry funk turns on him and injures him so so rick is fucking well pissed off so mm-hmm. he has every right i I love this match. I actually watched this match twice. I give this match. We, we watched it the other. Yeah, week. we watched yeah. it a few. We watched it on the night of Great American Bash after NXT yes. Great American Bash, and then I re, just rewatched it again for this show. I give this match five stars. This, oh wow! This, this okay. did not get a five star rating from Dave Meltzer, and I think it should have. I absolutely love this match. This this to me screams like retro wrestling, American retro wrestling. You get Ric Flair, who's the fucking guy, and then this. This dude, Terry Funk, who, yeah, he's now been in a few movies, and he's boys with Sly Stallone, and he's in Roadhouse. But, like, man, I, I love this match. This is great. Rick, Rick Flair, I can't, we're, if we ever do a uh, best match ever, Ric Flair, it's going to be so hard. Oh, yeah. We, we have another idea for a Ric Flair match, which, uh, a show, which maybe we should, like, go into down the line. But I'm thinking 16-time. Uh, and we just do every time he's won sure. a title or something down Sounds the line. Good. But this this was so much fun, yeah. Um. I went 4.75. I don't know why it's not a 5, but for me, like, I know right away yep. when I want to give something sure. a 5, and there was something not there. You feel it. You, like, to me, to me, this was, look, this wasn't no uh, Kenny Omega, Okada, or Will Ospreay flips and shit. Like, there wasn't. But to me, it's the, it's the story, and it's the acting. This hit on all cylinders for me because the actual in-ring was fantastic. They did roll, he won with a roll-up inside Cradle. Fucking great but the acting to me was like super sports entertainment this is what wwe is trying to be and they they're acting like we, we keep going off on acting lately yeah here shows you that acting is I, number one thing. i love as i said rick flair was subdued before the match he charges funk and then he's taken funk out he knows he's got a couple of seconds and he knows he hasn't like been the nature boy for the crowd yet yeah so does his like yeah. just dives in the ring struts around gives a woo the crowd love it he comes back out to beat up but it's not milking it it's not like climbing to the top rope and yeah posing it's like very quick that's because he's rick flair man he, he does it without even trying i swear but yeah i i absolutely love this terry funk came off as such a fucking bastard and loses so you're like ah you little bitch you lost like fucking flair got you and then we keep talking about after match things, Muda comes in and sprays uh, like Ric Flair. Is it? So yeah, you've got <laughs> Muda comes out and mists Flair in the face. Uh, Funk and Muta are then beating down Flair. They attempt a pile driver onto the chair, and Sting runs out. Muta and Funk then st- team up on Sting. Flair comes flying in with a knee and starts fighting back. This fight is like brawling around, continuing. We've got commentary kind of signing off for the night we see like yeah. the cameras on jr and bob coddle the logo pops up <laughs> yeah flair just comes like interrupts their sign off great cuts a promo uh and he goes hey i'm not a man who ever says thank you but sting thank you mm. um says this is far from over and we'll be fighting funk until i wear his ass out yes he will uh 
I don't know, like, if you can bump a match-up because of the post-match. Yes, you can. <laughs> I did. Like, this went from a 4.5 to a 4.75 for me just because this post-angle was nuts. The energy from this promo from Ric Flair, uh, Sting getting involved as well. I thought it was so much fun. Yeah, I, I honestly loved this match. We we went and watched it just randomly because of the Great American Bash NXT, and we put it on in the, in the nighttime, and we were, like, drinking and smoking in the backyard watching it. We were like, oh, man, this is crazy, like... Uh, Rick Flair, I think, is is the goat to me. But like, man, we're talking about Terry Funk, and he totally was like just fantastic villain in this role. Uh, I know that this is their first match. This is the Great American so, Bash. Cage Match gave this an eight point four five. Meltzer a four point five. You went the full five stars. Yeah. I went four point seven five with this one. But yeah, this isn't the end of the rivalry. They do fight until Ric Flair can wear Terry Funk's ass out. Well, I actually I actually looked up this this feud because I was super into it and I saw that they fought uh, in different types of different matches and different people added in but there is a match I want to reference. Uh, I know maybe we'll do a review of it again down the line but from Halloween Havoc 1989 there is a famous match the Thunderdome match. Okay. Welcome to the Thunderdome. It is Ric Flair and Sting versus Muda and Terry Funk in basically what I'll call a, an electric Hell in a Cell. It was Hell in a Cell before Hell in a Cell. And it's covered in like uh, Halloween decorations and it has like electricity that's bolting through. And the Halloween decor- decorations catch on fire from the electricity and Muda it can be seen like putting the fire out low key. Uh, this was an, an insane match as a wrestling fan. I have never heard of this match. I've never seen this match until just recently. I watched it. Is it the best match ever for Terry Funk? No, but it was hella exciting. I would recommend it. I wrote notes down on it, but uh, in the end it was basically, uh, I think it was the towel was thrown in and it was like called off, but it's, it's like figure fours on Funk. It's basically, Ric Flair trying to get more revenge on Terry Funk because even though he beat Terry Funk, as we saw in that post-match beatdown, like Funk is still the thorn in like his side. He's still trying to come after him um, forever. And this match is really ridiculous. So WCW Halloween Havoc 1989, this Thunderdome match, highly recommend. But I wouldn't quite say. Do you want to see a Thunderdome match again? Hell is yeah! It, is it something NXT could bring back? Yeah, fight, pick, pick up Thunderdome. those rivalries. <laughs> Uh, that, those ratings. What guys? Dexter Loomis would wrestle in the Thunderdome. There you go with electricity, Halloween decorations, and shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. There's a there's a spot where Sting is swinging like Tarzan off like some of the shit. It's fucking ridiculous. But for 1989, I was I I got really stoned and decided to watch it. And I was like, yeah, it was really fun. But it's not the best Terry Funk match ever. <laughs> but we we are going to the next one, which some people would say. Is and it's the culmination of this epic feud in 1989. Yes, we're going to the 15th of November 1989. Uh, I was two months old at this point, so I clearly <laughs> remember this one. Um, this is an I Quit match for the World Heavyweight Championship at NWA Clash of the Champions New York Knockout at the Houston Field House in Troy, New York. I don't even know where Troy, New York is, but I do now. I'm guessing it's like. Upstate? I don't know. Oh. Um, yes, yeah, so Clash of the Champions was uh, TV. Um, yeah. So this wasn't even pay-per-view. This was not a pay-per-view. Mm. Isn't that crazy? This was a free match. Yeah, it looks like it's totally uh, like up upstate there. It's right. kind of it's not it's not too far from from our ends. Uh, yeah, that's... kind of Vermont. Okay, Albany. Right. <laughs> um, the promos before this, Funk says, "I don't want your belt." 
I don't want your family. I don't want your money. I want your pride. And Flair's like, we're not talking about championship belts. We're not talking about women fighting for pride, integrity, and guts. Terry Funk says, Ric Flair rides first class. Well, I'm coach. I drive a truck. He drives in limos. We both love the sport of pro wrestling. He's not a quitter, and I'm not quitting. But you see, Ric Flair, he will quit tonight. And Ric Flair comes in here with, you know, classic. To beat the, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And, and Terry, tonight, I'm not quitting. You're quitting. Uh, the, the promos to this and, are fucking crazy. I love it. And they both kind of agree to put an end to this. It, after this, uh, whoever loses will shake the other man's hand. They'll yeah. look him in the eye. Um, yeah, this is a great build to this. Terry Funk's entrance is fantastic here with Gary Hart. Um, is this is he in the blue? No, the red poncho and cowboy hat for this one. He's got like his kind of cowboy western music. Isn't it the guy who just recently passed away? I swear. Gary Hart. Um, no, the guy who did the entrance theme. Uh, keep keep oh, going. Okay. Yeah, this this theme is lit. This entrance is cool. He it's looks great. so cool here. He looks like a Texas cowboy with the branding iron and the. It's like a poncho and like this is classic Texas Texas boy here cowboy. I I absolutely loved it. They're saying that now we all know the the kind of famous number is sixteen for Ric Flair. They're saying at this point, uh, Flair has held this title six times. Only two other men have held it that amount, and that's Luthez and Harley Race. Wow. Yes. Um, wow. So the crowd are going wild again for Flair's entrance. He's even got Pyro here. He's in the classic baby blue funk in his grey and black tights. Flair knocks Funk out of the ring early with a chop, uh, and then... All Flair starts... is He's just rattling away with these chops towards Funk. Uh, Flair gets knocked down, but gets right back up on top of Funk and starts choking him. Uh, Funk hits a thumb to the eye. Uh, I notice the announce table here is, like, right next to the ring. There's, like, no gap. <laughs> so they're crawling all over this mic table. They're smacking each other with the mic, trying to get him to quit. It's, Ask him! It's, yeah, you use the mic Ask phone. have got to... Uh, and he's like, you egg-sucking dog, say it! <laughs> um, Flair manages to get out with an atomic drop. Um, then, like, more trash-talking from Funk. He's going, you remember your neck, Flair? Don't, don't you want to quit before I hurt you? Uh, Funk drops the pile driver, drops another pile driver on the floor. Both are now brawling ringside. Flair is slamming Funk's head against a table. Flair hangs Funk up on the guardrail, like, just, like, on his dick. He just groins him here. <laughs> He's chopping him, throws him across another table. Uh, this is almost like the the kind of the bar fight, like, slide across yeah. the table. Just goes crashing over. I love JR here. Uh, he stole one of your lines. JR's voice here. He's taking it to the streets. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's Flair just punching, chopping away at Funk. Say it! But Funk won't go down. He kicks at Funk's knees, and Funk is down. Flair hits a, a, I put a kind of suplex onto the apron. <laughs> it's not the smoothest looking thing in the world. Hits the uh, locks in the figure four in the middle of the ring. Funk is just grabbing at the like shirt of the ref and is saying, "Never, <laughs> never, never!" And then, yes, I quit. <laughs> yes, Flair wins. Gary Hart comes in and is so pissed at Funk. And Funk is going, no, no, I 
I'm a man of my word. I said, I said I'd shake your hand. Have you seen that mm-hmm. kind of meme video where the guy? I want to shake your hand. I want to shake. I want to shake hand. his hand. I want to shake his hand. Yeah, that's exactly what Funk is doing here. And Hart is mad and just comes up to him and goes, shoves Hart away. Says, "You're a hell of a man, Ric Flair. A much better man than hip than me." Shakes his hand. Gary Hart attacks Funk from behind. So Flair comes to Funk's aid. Now, Muta runs out again to take out Flair. Sting runs out. Sting locks in the Scorpion Deathlock to the Dragon Master, who is also out there. <laughs> He's the, the manager of manager Muda. Manager of yeah. Muda. Figure four leg lock to Muda. Then Luger runs out <laughs> with a chair and is attacking both of them. Funk is now back, fighting away. Luger breaks a trophy like a little bitch. <laughs> I don't know why you're it out there. It was Superstar, Lex. yeah, Superstar of the Year or whatever right. earlier on, yeah. Um, this is madness. Yeah. This is chaos. Yeah, this was another post-match fucking story continues. They don't let you, there's no lag here. They, like, tell you what the next program is right away. Like, Terry's done? Well, guess what? Luger's in the picture now. Like, that's what I get out of this, or at least more Muda here. Uh, but the match itself, this is uh, an epic match. A lot of people look back at this match as, this is, I don't think it's the first ever I Quit one, but I'd say it's the first ever one that like was super super like wide and, and seen and, and popular it was on tbs superstation right um this is an epic one like the feud of terry funk and rick flair going through 1989 just it seems so crazy watching all these promos and, and some of the matches leading up to this where it's like yeah rick flair beat him they continue to fight terry funk is is such a, a an evil evil man that there's only one way to settle this. One of us has to has to quit, and this is the way to do it. Uh, this is so good. It's kind of like they forced him into this story. That they kind of wrote it for Terry. I'm pretty sure Terry was like, "Yeah, I wasn't really retiring here, but uh, right. uh, yeah, whatever." Uh, so I know a lot of people love this match, and to me, this is like this might not be your classic Ric Flair kind of thing, but it it still is. It's like he they did all their 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 bits in it. They got all their shit in, if you will, in like this. This perfect storm of of a brawl type thing, and in 1989, like yeah, there wasn't crazy things, but I love the shot of Terry going flying over those tables. Yeah. It's so epic. That shot alone is just a, 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 maybe an underrated shot in in the world of wrestling because it's just he, like you said, it's like a bar when you clean the bar yeah. with a with a dude. He just goes everywhere. Uh, I I love this match. I've watched this twice as well now. I can't tell you which if I like this one. Or the Great American Bash one, but this to me is also a five star match. Okay, I again went four point seven five. Really enjoyed it. Don't know what it is. Not putting it to the top for me, yeah, but yeah. just not doing it. Uh, Meltzer gave it a five cage match nine point zero one. One thing I wanted to say that I really liked about their Great American Bash match, and I didn't really pick up on it first time round, but I certainly did this time, was how Terry Funk's game plan the whole match is to target the injured neck mm. of flair injured from the like the accident yeah and right at the end of the match he kind of abandons his game plan and goes for the spinning, spinning toehold which is what gets him pinned ah. and i think it's such a good detail because you go like oh terry you should have stuck with your guns yeah, there because you you open yourself up there um just great psychology in both of these funk plays such a good heel uh, the crowd are mad, like, mad for it. Yeah. Flair, I always think of as a heel, but he's su- such a good babyface here as well. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, and the post-match I, angle is great. I, I love this. I, I love the fact that it's got the old-school like, acting. Like I said, uh, Terry Funk is just such a good actor, and he makes you believe... So is Ric Flair. I, I think F- Flair is fantastic. But it's just another one of these... Cl- I, I wish there was more of them from these two. Because with the Ric Flair-Ricky the Dragon steamboat like rivalry feud there, there, that was some classic wrestling. And even though I'm, I'm giving like both of those matches and do- both those rivalries such praise, it's kind of, this one's different. This one, I got more acting out of this one. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, I don't see as, as, a, as good as an actor as no. Terry Funk, or as the, the evil guy, right? So I just, I love this story. I feel like 1989 was a killer year for pro wrestling, and this was, this was part of it. This, is, this was a lot of fun to watch. Now, we're going to jump ahead quite a bit now. How course. many more times is he going to retire? I know. He retired. God we're, damn it. We're calling this Extreme Month, so of course, when we're talking Terry Funk and Extreme, we've got to go to Extreme Championship Wrestling. Born to be wired, in fact, 9th of August 1997, at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, this is an ECW World Heavyweight Championship match, barbed wire match between Sabu and Terry Funk. Ugh, dude, I watched this today because you said you watched it, and I, I was like, okay, well, if you watched it, then I gotta, I gotta watch it. Sabu and Terry Funk. Now, we, we've glossed over. Like I said, we jumped it quite a bit, and I know we said in the beginning, like disclaimer, we're not watching every fucking Terry, Terry Funk's every Terry Funk match to watch would take forever. Mm. There is a a match in '94 from ECW, which some say is like the ECW match like it was like what kind of started but it's an hour-long draw and i wouldn't necessarily say that's the best match ever so uh we did not put it in this thing but it's sabu i kind of i'm gonna be honest i ran out of time i do want to kind of go back and watch that one i Um, put it on and i realized i did not have enough time to watch it and it was an hour so i kind of just skimmed through it yeah um i'm pretty sure i have seen it before it's shane douglas sabu and uh um uh, Terry, Terry Funk, Funk. <laughs> and yeah, sorry, and but like that was in 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 '94, but there was also a match in '95, which you you said you had the VHS at some point, the oh, King yeah. of the Death match, yeah. which is super fucked. Uh, go check out this if you haven't on YouTube. Someone took the clip of it. It's only about 12, 14 minutes, ten minutes long, with uh, Mick Foley's commentary, like from his book, right. him reading his yes. book. Over the match, so they they edit it with the commentary, and it's the King of the Death match, Mick Foley and Terry Funk, where the the ring is all barbed wire. It's rigged with C4, and there's explosions, and it's just a fucking bloody mess. And wow, it was wild. I'm not saying it's the best match ever, but I watched it, and it was fucking spectacle. <laughs> just just watch it if you've never. It's the King of the Death match, Terry Funk and Mick Foley. But yes, they then. Some someone was like, "Hey, you know that shit you were doing in Japan with where we take the ropes out and we add barbed wire as the ropes? What if we did that in America?" And thus, uh, "Born to Be Wired" is born. I guess uh, this this is not my t- cup of tea. Realizing as an adult now, maybe when I was sixteen, I would think this was really cool. Now as a, a twenty, still twenty eight as this week, but uh, not my cup of tea. This match. <laughs> So, uh, Funk wants to kind of box at the beginning of this match. Of course he, he does. He puts his fists up. He's ready for boxing. Uh, Sabu goes for a dropkick t- to the knee but gets grabbed in a single leg. We get the hangman's neck breakers and a pile driver early to Sabu for a two count. Uh, Sabu tries to put Funk's head into the barbed wire, but uh, Funk is blocking with his hands. We get a rana from Sabu f- with a kick out. And this kick out, this is pretty cool. 
propel Sabu headfirst into the bar fire. Oh. Um, I kind of like that spot, just like the big kick out propelling him. Oh. Uh, Sabu's face is bleeding like crazy. Funk now whips Sabu into the barbed wire. Um, hangs up Sabu by the groin on the barbed wire. Ouch. You now see just Sabu's pants are ripped to shreds. Yeah, that's what's fucked. Like, this is real barbed wire. Like, obviously, yeah. there's there's clipping and who knows what they do, especially now in wrestling. But this is fucked. Uh, the quality here, this is, this. I think they had highlights on the network, but I had to find this on, like, YouTube or Dailymotion. Yeah. It's gross, man. Their mm. skin is ripped and, ugh. Funk gets thrown into the barbed wire. Alfonso is ringside and throws a chair into the ring. Sabu starts smashing it across Funk's back. Uh, Now Funk's face is in the barbed wire and he's bleeding. Sabu runs and jumps off a chair, leg-dropping Funk into the barbed wire. Uh, Sabu sets Funk in the corner, hits a kind of poetry in motion off the chair, but Funk moves, which gets Sabu just strung up yeah, in this barbed this wire. this is what I remember. Sabu would continue on with these matches into his later career, with in TNA even, with Abyss and stuff, but this is classic Sabu, running the air Sabu, and then the guy moves, and yeah. he just eats shit into the... It's, ugh, it's Alfonso gross. now gets involved and gets dragged across barbed wire. Uh, Sabu gets dumped stomach first on the wire, looks nasty, Funk now wraps his uh, fists up with the barbed wire and starts raking at the back of Alfonso with it. Uh, Sabu grabs wire cutters, starts snipping away at the barbed wire and attacks Funk with these wire cutters. Now Rob Van Dam runs in to attack Funk. Uh, Van Dam is in smart work gloves uh, and wraps Funk completely in it. Like his whole body just wrapped this in barbed wire. This is disgusting. Puts him on a table... Sabu hits a leg drop through the table, which unfortunately kind of gets missed by the camera. (laughs) Dreamer then comes out and takes out Rob Van Dam with a garbage can lid and a DDT. Funk kicks out on two. Sabu now wraps himself in barbed wire and hits another leg drop through Funk, through the table. Funk is on a table, wrapped in barbed wire. Now Sabu wraps himself in barbed wire and then jumps through Terry through the table. Got you. Fucked. Funk kicks out. Both are now just wrapped in barbed wire. It's just ripping at their skin, their clothes. And Sabu manages to pin Funk. And the match ends... (laughs) With Joey Styles wondering if the world title has changed hands. And then he he realizes it has. And he's like, yeah, yeah, Sabu's the champ. (laughs) And it stops. And they just lie there motionlessly because they know they can't... They can't move. I think some of it's like above... So what's fucked is what's fucked is Sabu has long hair. Yeah. And it's all in his hair and entangled in his head. But the problem is they wrapped each other in it. And now they've they've done moves to each other and jumped on each other and, and wrestled. Now they're stuck to each other. And when they try to pull apart, it's cutting them both in separate ways. So they're getting fucking sliced up all over. Just it's so think gross. Everyone has that draw where they throw all their old headphones, loose wires, things like that. Yes. And then one day you'll need know, oh, I need that wire for my camera yeah. or something. And you go in and it's all tangled up. Yep. And the more you pull, the more it gets like tighter. That's these two. This is how these two are now. Oh, God. Um, there are people running in. They're kind of trying to cut them free with wire cutters and stuff. Um, the crowd give them a standing ovation. Yeah. Like, they 
appreciate what these guys have done. This crowd was bloodthirsty, and they definitely got what... Like, the show was based around this match, Born to be Wired, right? Yeah. So they knew what they were getting into in 97 here in ECW. They were doing some crazy shit. And, wow, this was so... This was so gross to watch. The, the, the finish there, I was shaking my head, because I'm like, this is a bloody mess, and that's the finish. Because, yeah, you he can't kick out, because he's fucking tied up to barbed wire. Yeah. Just ridiculous cringeworthy I I love the drama of the match I I gotta respect them for putting themselves through this for our entertainment yeah but this isn't really my kind of thing this isn't I did give it a 3.75 like I quite I quite enjoyed it but I sort of moved on from this kind of stuff Um, as far as like death matches if you will go I think they did it pretty well sure yeah. What would you give this? Yeah, I'll agree with you. Like I said off the top of it, I'm not a huge fan of it, but like, it's, it's, it was entertaining. I, I, I it was like a car crash. I, it was really gross. <laughs> uh, Cage Match gave this a 7.95. Yeah, well, it was a bloody mess and it was really gross. Uh, and that's kind of where, to me, Terry Funk, I always think of him in ECW because that's kind of the stuff I was getting into. Uh, not necessarily this match, but perhaps. Our next match. Uh, did you watch the show I was talking about earlier? Barely Legal, 1997. So, Tommy Dreamer has this epic rivalry with Raven, and he can never beat Raven, and it's all about Raven and Raven and Raven. So, there's a match tonight where there's a triple threat, three-way dance, and the winner gets to face Raven right after for the title. Tommy Dreamer gives his spot to Terry Funk. Yes, I just realized we kind of got these two the other way around. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but yeah, this came before. This this one started Funk's reign. This is 13th of April, 1997, at the ECW Arena, Philadelphia. And it's a number one contenders match, as you said, to face Raven that night. And it's Terry Funk versus Big Stevie Cool. You may know him as Stevie Richards. Versus The Sandman. Yeah, so a triple threat match. Again, I had this DVD for Barely Legal 1997. And I'll tell you right off the bat, I'm going to be straight straight with everyone. That it's not neither of these matches that happened were the match of the night. In fact, there was a match with uh uh Dick to go? <laughs> Dick Togo? Dick Togo. Uh, he was on the match. There was this this multi-man like BWO Japan match with Taka Michinoku and stuff. This match is insane. You know we we talked about Ring of Honor always having random like international stars come in for like multi-man matches and that usually steal the show well these guys were doing it in 1997 and I have to shout out that match Terry Funk wasn't involved but man it was a great match but the the story revolving around Sandman Terry Funk and Stevie Boy was is pretty epic we have Terry coming in trying to fight everyone with these these four neck breakers in a row we got like Sandman who disappears and shows up with a ladder that's like not a WWE ladder but like just a ladder they bought it like a shitty hardware store down the street. Like, not, they couldn't even climb it because it's like bending and stuff. Just insane. Um, Terry Funk, at 53 years old, climbs this ladder and does a moonsault off of it. Moonsault, so, sort of a, sort of a moonsault. Moonsault <laughs> uh, There's like ladder super kicks. There's uh, like. There's a shining ladder, just seesaws, there's there's everything. What I got out of this is so many people took things from ECW, even to this day, that ECW, like, were doing. Terry Funk with the classic, putting the ladder on his head, 
spinning around, nailing them with the, the things. But then gets dizzy and just, like, falls all <laughs> over the place afterwards. Uh, there's, there's like, trash cans. Uh, there's spike pile driver combos. Um, there's a double powerbomb spot, and Stevie is eliminated. Sandman then just grabs the streamers, but they're barbed wire streamers, and he starts whipping the back of Terry Funk Jesus, it's insane. Uh, Sandman just covers him in barbed wire, but Stevie somehow gets involved and, like, kicks the trash can leg, knocking Sandman down, and then Terry Funk, with a moonsault, to the barbed wire, and Terry Funk wins the triple threat. He beats Sandman and Stevie Boy, and he gets to face Raven. Well, Stevie gets eliminated. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Well, he he then, uh, Sandman, Sandman is eliminated from the moonsault. So Terry Terry wins the match and he gets to face Raven like instantly, but he's he just got his ass kicked. Yeah, like he just got whooped by barbed wire and and he's bleeding. He's a stuffed pig and Raven's instantly out there trying to beat him up because he's fresh. And this match technically starts now, which is these are two separate things. But I, I love the storytelling here. It's we did a review of Anarchy Rules, and it was just anarchy. It was like ridiculousness and super fucked up. We didn't even know what the card was. Mm. But that's this. Because you don't even know what the fuck's going on. And you have Tommy Dreamer running down. There's Raven who's beating the hell out of Terry. You think he's dead. There's like Big Dick Dudley who tries to... <laughs> Big Dick Dudley's so let, out of jail. Straight. So Tommy Dreamer's on commentary here. He gave Terry Funk uh, the match. And Terry is saying like whatever, whatever's happening to me... Don't like this is my fight. Don't this interfere. Isn't your fight. I know you've got this issue with Raven, but this is my fight. But uh, yeah, so Funk's just gone through like a 19 minute, like extreme match with Sandman and Stevie Cool, and now he's got to fight Raven right away, who comes in with a chair and is just beating down on Funk right away. Raven's throwing a table on top of him, um, and then Reggie Bennett runs in. With and kind of hits a sit-out power bomb to Funk as well, and Raven gets on the mic and says, "Look, I'm going to put him through these three tables stacked there." And Tommy Dreamer's looking all conflicted because he kind of promised Terry he wouldn't get involved, but now they've like put all the odds against him, and that's where Big Dick Dudley <laughs> smashes a chair over Dreamer's head. He's from jail. He just got out of jail. <laughs> Raven hits the DDT to. Uh, the referee, uh, and then there's a kind of choke slam that Big Dick tries to hit on Dreamer through the tables, but Dreamer gets out of it and hits a choke slam of his own to Big Dick Dudley, sending him through those three tables, which makes the crowd very, very happy. <laughs> and then Tommy hits Raven with the DDT. Funk goes for the cover, but Raven kicks out, and then Funk catches him with a small package. One, two, three, Funk wins and becomes ECW champion. Yeah, this is a whole, like, story kind of built around this pay-per-view. Kind of like, you know, Daniel Bryan's thing where he beats Triple H and then later is in the triple threat. Well, he had to win a triple threat to be in the match. Yeah, I love the storytelling here. It it was a huge thing for me in ECW. I know Paul Heyman, was it the, the, the pre-show kind of... Uh, speech that he gave was like, you know, the, the whole thing about you've made it to the dance and this is the dance. And he thanked Terry Funk for everything he's done because if it wasn't for Terry Funk, there probably wouldn't have been an ECW. So this was kind of his 
This was supposed to be his retirement again, essentially winning the title, but that wasn't the case. Uh, to, so, what would you give the triple threat match? Yeah, for me, like the the triple threat match, it's you know both of these matches are not the best match ever, but it's for me like almost like a story. And as I was comparing Terry Funk to as a good not comparing but telling saying he was a good actor, I kind of got that out of this. It felt like a, a full movie, except now this character is a lot older. And in just more grittier and more just in this like bingo hall type thing. It's just dirty and, and raw. Uh, the triple threat, I don't know. I'd give it like 3.7. I'd just give both of them kind of the same thing. I just felt watching from the start of the triple threat to the finish of the whole show is a whole like movie in itself. Um, and it, I just think it's really like it was important for ECW, especially being their first pay-per-view. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's a five-star match. I went 3.75 for the first match. Yeah. Meltzer gave it a four. Cage match 7.81. I went just to three for the second one. It's not really no, yeah. a match, but like the story's fun. Yeah. A cage match of 5.58, Meltzer of 3.25. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's just more of a... It shows how sloppy ECW really was. But it was a lot of fun to kind of watch, and the, more so the grittiness. And that brings us to our final match we're going to talk to today, which is Terry Funk versus Mick Foley. Of course, we had to talk about Terry Funk versus Mick Foley this is a no-holds-barred match from Raw is War in the WWF, 4th of May, 1998. Now, you've got Stone Cold Steve Austin out on commentary. Uh, the story is, I think it's Dude Love has wanted a shot against Stone Cold. And Mr. McMahon has said, well, if you want a shot, you've got to beat kind of the guy you've always looked up to. You consider friend. a friend, Terry Funk. In a no-holds-barred match. No, it's falls count anywhere. It is. So they fight everywhere. So uh, Funk comes out to Cactus Jack's music here, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, was it? Maybe Funk had it first, I don't know. And Mick Foley comes out as Mick Foley here. You've got Pat Patterson as the referee. Now, at this point, Mick Foley is 33. Terry Funk is 54. In a raw main event. <laughs> they both fall to the outside. Uh, there are chair shots straight to the head of Mick. Um, Foley's groin, like his his sweatpants, like the groin is just all ripped up already. <laughs> we get a low blow from Funk. Foley uh, then hits a chair shot of his own to the head of Funk. And he hits his swinging neck breaker. Austin's mic is having problems. And it's, it's gimmicked, yeah. It's gimmicked. It's going all static. Vince is fucking his mic up. Exactly. <laughs> Um, Austin grabs the King's mic. Uh, Foley goes for a fall on the outside. Austin gets pissed off at Lawler and just nails him, and Lawler goes running. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, Foley goes for a pile driver on the concrete, but gets back dropped right onto it. They now stop brawling through the crowd, which this crowd love. They're just going crazy. Uh, there's a random hot dog guy who gets dropped with two suplexes <laughs> on the concrete. By Foley. By Foley. I don't know why he's beating up the hot dog guy. He's in the way. But JR is losing it. Like, not the hot dog guy. <laughs> uh, he got it. The hot dog guy got it. By God, he got it again. <laughs> Funk picks up just one of the drinks barrels that there is, like the, the pop barrel. Yeah. And launches it at Foley's head. Foley then climbs on top of the bleachers. Sorry, uh, Funk climbs to the top of the be bleachers. This is where crowd the crowd is. Yes. Yeah. And hits a 
Again, kind of moonsault. It's a side cross body, yep. but by God... Not I quite Kodorobushi, <laughs> but this is still a 54-year-old man going backwards off the bleachers. Out of all the stuff I watched for this show, I think I was more shocked at this spot than most of the stuff. Yeah. I saw him get cut up and bleeding and all this stuff, but you're 54. There was no security there to help guide him up to through that crowd. It's like he just did it without telling anyone and then decides to quote-unquote moonsault Onto everyone. Luckily, that hot dog guy was there to help yes. Mick Foley catch him. But what a spot. 54? You're crazy, dude. Foley hits a pile driver to funk through a table. This was disgusting. They're then fighting un- under the bleachers, and it goes to commercials. Uh, after commercials, they're still fighting backstage. You get a very slow count from Pat Patterson um, when <laughs> Funk makes the cover. Yeah. Uh, they're then now fighting back through the arena, brawling away. We get the elbow drop with the chair onto Funk, onto the announcer's table from Foley. Foley and Austin are now getting in each other's face. We get a double arm DDT in the ring from Foley to Funk, but Funk kicks out. We get a pile drive from Foley, then a pile driver onto the steel chair, and Mick Foley wins, earning his title shot. One, two, three. Now, after the match, Foley continues to drive Funk's head into this chair oh. as he's looking on at Austin, sending him a message. Austin comes in with a beer, throws it in his face. Foley acts blinded and tries to use the mandible claw on Austin, but actually gets Patterson because he can't see. <laughs> Patterson comes with a steel chair, gets hit by a stunner. Uh, Mick Foley's going up the ramp. Dude loves music hits. And Vince comes out with some dancing women in paint, in yep. bikinis. Um, they hand do- uh, Mick Foley the dude love outfit. They're all dancing to go off the air. And I think Austin kind of corpses here watching Vince <laughs> dance with these chicks. Uh, so Terry Funk was just the, the fall guy yeah. in this match. Hey, go jump off some shit and eat all these moves and stuff. Uh, there's definitely some beef between Vince McMahon and Terry Funk for other things. But yeah, this was a, so much fun. This was classic WWF Attitude Era to me. You had Austin on commentary. Yeah. The whole focus is Austin. He's the main star, but he's still helping Terry get over, still helping Mick get over in the match. Uh, I could do with less of that staticky commentary and just more focus on the match, but it was hella entertaining to watch. I I, I thought this was a lot of fun, and I'm kind of glad I put it on in, in this list because it's Mick Foley and Terry Funk. And, yeah, uh, that pile driver through the thing was ridiculous. Um, clearly, they, they got good at doing these pile driver things by the late 90s. But, wow, uh, this was this was was a fun we just saw a falls count anywhere match on AEW this past week and this it reminded me of this match like it, this was a lot of fun yeah this was a really great brawl um this was when they were trying to kind of raise mick foley up the card and you could see maybe this was going to be one of funk's last matches yeah. i think he, he still went into 99 um but yeah this this was great it was kind of a good a uh, nice match for funk to have say main evented a raw with one of his best friends. Um, and yeah, the storytelling again was great. Austin was great on commentary. JR was great on commentary. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I went 3.75 with this one. Yeah, I'll say even four, just because like, yeah, it wasn't cr- great actual wrestling, but it was just, I, I watched the whole, there's 20 minutes of just brawling and fun and, and shit, and it was a lot of fun to watch. And Cage Match gave this one a 7.70. Yes, so we've covered so many Terry Funk matches. We didn't quite go over best match ever or best retirement ever. Forever. Number one. 
But uh, I I did r- look up some stuff from that movie Beyond the Mat, and I remember that they were in pre- prepare in pre- preparation for Barely Legal '97, where Terry is is in. He allows the the camera crew to come with him through like the the hospital or the his doctor, and he's he's been told like you have like arthritis and this knee, and you need new knee replacements, and you should be crippled already. And this is in, in 1997, and he said you shouldn't be wrestling. In fact, you should retire right now so that you will have the chance of actually walking or living without pain. And this was in 97. He would go on to do that ECW match. He would go on to do a lot more matches, including that Raw match. And even wrestling up until just a few years ago. And you know what? If it wasn't for a pandemic, I guarantee you he would be still wrestling today. But, wow. Uh, forever. Um, also, shout out to uh, Terry Funk. Some of the, the things he said in his promos, including a promo um, that was a shotgun Saturday night with Stone Cold and, and Mick Foley kind of, and Vince there, where he famously said, uh, Vince McMahon, you Yankee bastard, and then called someone's mother a whore. So, Terry Funk, uh, like I said, he is one of the most believable psychopaths in wrestling to me because all these matches when he's boxing and punching and ripping people with barbed wire, he is a sick son of a bitch. He is one bad mother funker and uh, respect to to Terry Funk. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) Right. Um, Shall we give our best match now or go to feedback first? Uh, Let's... Let's go to some feedback, I guess. I know I saw some people uh, Some people posted some things yeah. here. You want to read the yeah, first I'll one? Yeah, I'll start off with Jake from the Windy City. Terry Funk was un- undoubtedly the most convincing psychopath in the history of <laughs> wrestling. That's what I just said. <laughs> and I feel like has become so underrated in the modern day. I went back to watching Empty Arena match at the Mid-South Coliseum on April 25th, 1981, and the first eight minutes were so great that you can't help but get sucked into it. And the fight was vicious and entertaining. Definitely a recommendation. I can't think of anybody today that is willing to play the type of heel Terry Funk is here. They all want to be at least somewhat cool heels so they can sell merchandise. And he's given us a link to that match on YouTube. Yes. Hey, yeah, I I completely agree. I I find him very scary. He looks convincing in in all the strange little, like, things he does in his character. Whether he's, like, when he's getting beat up and he goes ringside and starts beating up ring crew and stuff. Like, he's just, he's crazy. And he's, like, some crazy dude with a branding iron. Like, it's a classic wrestling character and and the poncho. Uh, We go to... Anthony St. James here with a first time, long time. First time, long time. Anthony Anthony uh, St. James is a uh, friend of the show. He's, he's always going back and forth sending me memes on Instagram. So shout out Anthony St. James. He says, I'll keep it short and simple. The Funk Flair I Quit match in Troy, New York for Clash of the Champions. Both men had excellent entrance music. The Man with the Harmonica by the late Western composer Ennio Morricone. I oh. totally butched that name, but I thought I was on something earlier, with a wild brawl and great post-match angle to get you set for Starcade. In conclusion, you guys rock and or roll. Hey, thank you. So he picks the I Quit match. Thank you. Uh, we go to Brian Ostaff. One of my favorites was Mick Foley versus Terry Funk on an episode of Raw in 1998 with Stone Cold Steve Austin on commentary. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. And finally, Greg T., Thanks for an excuse to rewatch some Terry Funk. Looking forward to the reviews. I have a Terry Funk story. Oh. I'm old enough to have gone to many Maple Leaf Garden wrestling shows from age 12 or so. Wrestlers would enter the building from the street level, and if you were in the know, you'd be going to the gardens an hour before bell time and wait by the back or side doors. 
for a close view of them arriving. One night when I was 13 or so, I was doing just that when Terry Funk walked in. Of course, he gets booze from the dozen or so people there. He walks by and then stops and turns toward a frozen 13-year-old me and gives me the most evil look I probably have ever seen to this day. He is totally in my face about a foot away. The stare seemed to last about a minute long. And like The Undertaker in a Taker Rooney segment, I'm looking to get out of there but still safe face in front of my friends. Finally, he sneers at me and leaves. Being frozen in fear was probably the only reason I didn't move, and decades later, I remember it like it was yesterday. And that is my brush with Terry Funk. Keep up the great work. So even Greg T. here is saying Terry is scary. <laughs> Always working. <laughs> I bet he's still in character. Yeah. At home. On his, where is he? Was it Double Cross Ranch? We didn't talk about that, how he, he's always from Amarillo, Texas, from the Double Cross Ranch. Even his ranch sounds scary. <laughs> the Double Cross Ranch. I love it. But now, let us, let us look back at all the matches we just did. And we, we watched some from the 70s, we watched some from the 80s, and we watched some from the 90s. And they all were kind of, in, obviously, were in different eras, but he clearly evolved his style and just got old and tried doing moonsaults. I'm going to start off with, I think, an upset here for Best Match Ever. I am going with Ric Flair versus Terry Funk at the Great American Bash as my pick for the Best Terry Funk Match Ever. And I know it's an upset. I think it's a shocker. But I think that match deserves a little bit more credit than than it got, actually. Watching it back, it had the epic entrances. It had the epic match, the storytelling. Even the in-ring psychology and storytelling was great. And, of course, the... And after match angle was still banging. So, yeah, that is my pick. The Great American Bash 1989, best match ever, Terry Funk. And I am going to go with uh, the Clash of the Champions 9 uh, between Ric Flair and Terry Funk in an I Quit match. Both of the matches are, are similar. It's Ric Flair pissed off at Terry Funk. Yeah. But it's classic hero that is the man of Ric Flair and the classic that is Terry Funk, the psycho Texan. So I loved both of these matches. In fact, I went out of my way and, was, like I said, watched a lot of the promos between them, and it was very exciting. And I recommend anyone else, if you're looking... You know, everyone talks about how the in-ring work of wrestling has greatly like improved, and obviously it has. You have guys like Will Ospreay doing 630s and, and all this sorts of shit. And yeah, it's crazy. But something you can't, you can't argue is the, the art of the promo. It, you, you can't touch these guys. Like yeah. these guys sold me on all of this shit. Not, whether it be the promos leading up or whether it be the acting in the ring, uh, fantastic. And not not just Ric Flair. Obviously, Ric Flair, the the goat of promos. But but Terry's like promo work and and character work here, you don't have that in today's wrestling. No, no. There there are very few who can do it. Um, it's just it's different now. It's it's too scripted. And as I as said, I can't remember which show we've done so many recently, but. Uh, these guys need acting lessons. If you if you're gonna script things, you need to teach your employees how to fucking read a script <laughs> and sound like a human being. Um, if you're not gonna do that, don't script them. Yeah, I don't know. Like, were these guys on a straight script back then? Probably no. not. It seems like it's coming from the real. The character is them. Like, you just believe it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's. It's night and day from watching these kinds of things. And yeah, this, the the in the in ring matches are a lot different, and it, they've evolved and for good. But there's there's something to be said about the character and storytelling. It's untouchable. Eighty nine clearly was a great year for pro wrestling. Yeah. And we learned that today. Well, we talked about Terry Funk. We did our extreme month. 
our extreme month is coming to an end this week. Yes, uh, next week we are going to be back with an episode of Was Next. It feels like forever since we've done a Was Next show. Uh, And we're going to look also at Lucha Underground. Um, I'll put up on the the Patreon exactly which episodes we're looking at. We're looking at two episodes. I believe one is the, like, Iron Man match between... Uh, Johnny Mundo and Prince Puma. Okay. Um, Ricochet. Also known as Ricochet. Uh, I can't remember what the other one is, uh, but it will go up there on the Patreon, so check that out. Yes, thanks for listening and uh, supporting us here. During our Extreme Month, our Anarchy Rules Review, our uh, Best Match Ever, Masada, Tanaka, and Mike Awesome, that is all up there. And this weekend, it all culminates with the real main event of Extreme Month, which is Up Yours with guest host... Wei Ting and his selection, Tom Green in Freddy Got Fingered. If you thought any of the matches we were talking about today with the blood and barbed wire, if you thought that was extreme, just wait till Freddy Got Fingered. Just wait. Just wait. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Take care. Goodbye. And Terry Funk is number one forever. Oh, boy.